0: Well, amen, look forward to the time that we'll just be looking at Jesus and uh, won't need Brother Shemish or anyone like that. We'll have everybody uh, that we need when we have the Lord. And uh, you know, he said to, he taught us to pray. He said, pray that God's will would be done on earth And then he said this, as it is in heaven. That means it is being done right now. It is in heaven. There's perfect obedience in heaven. There's perfect praise in heaven. Uh, There's nobody sat in heaven tonight and didn't sing to the Lord, but a few might have sat here. And uh, he he said, pray that it would be that way here. And that's a good prayer that if you're not praying, you should be praying. You should pray, Lord, I pray that in Nakansawan, 1 thy will would be done here as it is in heaven. Uh, Joshua, please, chapter number uh, 15, uh, good to be here, thank you for putting that uh, up behind me. Uh, I'm going to uh, uh, somewhat just talk to you tonight and share some things with you. I'm going to say some things tonight that are going to be very important. To some of you, it might not seem important, but to some of you, you will understand it's important. Uh, I wish that somebody had just told me some of these things a long time ago. Uh, I eventually learned them, uh, but I wish that somebody had shared just some of these uh, basic things that I'm going to say to you tonight. Uh, If you're a young person here tonight, you should particularly listen. Uh, If you're in ministry, it would be wise to just uh, realign yourself a little bit with some of this tonight. And I I don't think it's terribly profound, uh, but it is a revelation of how God does things. Uh, Some years ago, uh, one of the men that I'd led to Christ in Thailand, formerly a Buddhist and now a believer serving the Lord. Uh, We were on a a long car trip and that happens a bit over there. It was late into the night. Uh, He'd been saved for uh, a number of years and uh, was evidencing uh, fruitfulness in his life. And uh, as we were sitting there, uh, both of us were in the front. He was driving, I was sitting beside him. It was dark. Uh, The conversation had gone silent and then uh, I remember that he turned and looked at me and he said, uh, I want to ask you a question. And I said, uh, okay. Uh, He said, I want you to tell me what is God like? Now, that was a saved person asking that question. If you're sitting here tonight and you're thinking, well, that, maybe that person wasn't saved if they asked it, you don't understand the question. He said, what is God like? And when he said that, I, I didn't immediately answer. I, I just, hmm. He said, tell me about him. He said, because you know him. He said, tell me, what is he like? And that's a good question for anybody to ask, to understand what is God like? You may know somebody that I don't know or I don't know very well, and if I had an interest in understanding that person better, I might come to you and I might say, so-and-so, you know, and you'd say, hmm. And if I said to you, can you tell me what's he like? Okay, I'd be asking that because I want to understand that person. Now, the reason that it's important to know what God is like is because uh, from God flows streams of blessing. And that's probably the, that's my terminology. And that's probably the way I would visualize it. From God, there are certain streams of blessing. Uh, people think that blessing is a random event. Pe- people think that blessing just can just come unexpectedly and go just as easily. Uh, people, people look for blessings like it's a moving target, and they're not always sure where it is. But that is, that is not how blessings work. Blessings come directly down from God. And uh, there are are streams of blessing that if you get in that, you get blessed. If you are outside of that stream, you're outside of blessing. So so to have God's blessing on what you do uh, or, or what you put your hands to, You have to get into that stream of blessing. And uh, those streams of blessing uh, are not geographical, they can be found anywhere. And when you understand what God is like and what God blesses, then you can locate those blessings and get into that stream no matter where you go. So it's not random. And it's not that you're in a place where there's no blessing. The blessings can be found wherever you are because they emanate from God. And those streams of blessing have to do with getting in alignment with the character of God or what God is like and getting into alignment with the principles of God. Okay, one of the great truths you need to remember is that God blesses himself. So when God sees himself, he blesses that. And so what you want to do, you want to be showing God himself. So the more you're like him, the more he'll put his blessing on that. The more you're like you, you're probably a little to the left or the right of that stream of blessing. And what happens is, because we don't understand how God blesses or what God blesses, we don't understand the the means or the way God works, and we just think it's random. Because what happens is, in the outworking of our Christian life, periodically we find ourselves in that stream, and suddenly we're blessed. But then we might do something or, or, or have a certain attitude about something or engage in a certain behaviour about something that puts us out of alignment with, that, with who God is. And then our blessing seems to have gone quiet. But we haven't connected why that happened. Do you understand? Now I'm going to take your quietness as, as you're meditating a little bit. Okay. So the streams of blessing are very important. And, and, and it has to do with getting in the place where you are in alignment with the principles of God. God will, listen carefully, God will never bless contrary to himself. Never. He'll never bless contrary to himself. And he'll never bless your image of God if your image of God is different to how God really is. Okay, because that's something you have constructed in your own mind and it's different to actually how he is. So all of that is to say that there is great value in understanding his ways, how he thinks, how he thinks about something, how he thinks about you, uh, to understand the principles by which he works through. And one of the ways that that can be most clearly seen in the Bible, one of the ways it stands out, the places it particularly stands out, is when you find God dealing with a new group of people. Because when God is dealing with a new group of people, those people don't know what he's like. So what he will do, he will have to start to show them what he is like so they even understand what they're supposed to be doing. So take the children of Egypt. Whilst they were in Egypt, they knew of God. Uh, I'm sure they had a faith, but they did not know God intimately. And uh, and God would communicate through a certain prophet, Moses, who would tell the people uh, what God said uh, or tell somebody else. But they didn't really understand God fully. There was much they didn't really even know about him. So when God led those people out of Egypt, not only were they leaving Egypt, they were starting the journey of knowing what is he like? What, 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 who is he? And, and, and even Moses said, what do, I, what, what do I tell them when they say what's his name? And so they had to learn what God is like. So that would be a very good time to look at that and say, okay, God, what did you show them? How, how did you go about instructing those people in what you were like? And so the, one of the first things that happened was God revealed himself uh, through a pillar of cloud uh, and a pillar of fire. And one of the first lessons God taught those people was how to follow me. And that was the big one they first had to get because they didn't know. And how to follow me went this way. Okay, when I go forward, you go forward. When I stop, you stop. You don't go further than I go, but you don't go slower than I go either. And, I, and, and, and you look at that, that was, that was an early lesson for the people of God about, okay, that's how he is. He wants us to follow him. We don't lead, he does. Hmm. We are to go as far as he tells us to go. If he says, wait here, we are to wait. Now, all of what I just said is playing out in your life and ministry all the time. When you get ahead of God, you might get to a place where you're looking and wondering, where did God go? Okay, you just went further than he went. Okay, so, so, so what I'm saying is those times are particularly helpful to understand him. Now, personally, I give much study to that because I, I want to understand him. I, I, I want to understand him because I want his blessing. I have a desire to want to understand him because I love him. And when you love someone, you want to get to know them. And I want to know him. So I look at all those things very carefully and may I say I look at them slowly. And I will stop and think, hmm, okay, you were teaching them that. And 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 understand as God is revealing himself in these places in the scripture, he's also showing you what he's like. All right. So so as you begin to accumulate that understanding of his nature, you're better able to put yourself into alignment with those streams of blessing. So, for example, if God said, Pause it here right now, don't go any further than this right now, and you went ahead, you would have moved out of that stream of blessing you would have gone somewhere contrary to where God was. And let me tell you, the blessing of God determines everything you have and everything you don't have. It's not you, it's him. He has the capacity to bless the weak. He he has the capacity to fill your cup till it overflows. Uh, But he also has the capacity to just give nothing. Nothing. And everything you have or what you don't have, that's coming from him. Uh, It's a shame to get through life and then finally get to heaven and realise there was so little you truly knew about God. Now clearly you knew enough to be saved, and I don't think God makes that complicated. I I think there are a lot of saved people who don't know God very well. Uh, And and sometimes if you just let them talk long enough, you'll realise Seemingly, how little they do seem to know about God. So the second occasion, or at least the one I've been focusing on recently, pertains to the maps on the wall behind me. And this was a group of people who had uh, come out of Egypt. Uh, A lot of them had been uh, lost on the way, and you know what happened. Uh, But a few got through. But there was now a a generation of people who, who were ready to get the thing that God had been wanting to give them for a long time. They were ready. And so what God does here, he's going to give an allotment of land to the various tribes of Israel and he's going to tell them uh, what it is that they have from him and the area to which they are supposed to live their lives serving God. Are you with me on that? So, depending what tribe you're in, you're about to find out your place. Okay? And, and God is going to reveal that. And so, so uh, you have already opened to uh, Joshua 15, and I've just, you know, I'm going to, I guess, mostly talk tonight, but verse number 20, it says, uh, This is the inheritance of the tribe. Of the children of Judah. And, and this starts the first one. Now if you go to uh, Joshua chapter uh, 19 and uh, ch- chapter 19, so, so you, 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 chapter 15, okay, uh, Judah uh, gets theirs. you get to chapter 19. in verse number one, in chapter 19, it says, "And the second lot came forth to Simeon." And uh, Simeon's uh, lot is given there. If you get to verse number 10, it says, And the third lot came up for the children of Zebulun. And uh, you could go on and you get to verse 17 and it says, And the fourth lot came out." And there's a map on the wall behind me uh, that uh, I guess accurately, uh, somewhat accurately, tells us about where they would have been according to uh, the, the uh, uh definitions of their land boundaries given in the Word of God. Uh, in verse number 24, it says, And the fifth lot uh, came out for the tribe of the children of Asher. And uh, you can go on and, and it's listed there. So, so let's understand how this worked. Uh, the tribes assembled themselves together. Everybody knows the land of Canaan. They, they, all, they all know that part. They don't know it intimately well. They they haven't journeyed throughout it all. Uh, They've uh, done a certain amount of uh, of uh, progress, but God is now going to tell the various tribes. Okay, uh, this is this is your lot. Now we don't exactly know how it worked, but we know that it was God who did it. Uh, There's speculation on how that might have gone, but uh, you say how specific was it? Very specific. Because if you read it, it's very detailed in terms of the boundaries. And it's spelt out extremely detailed. Okay, okay, Judah, you have this. And and it's marked out really clearly. Uh, Simeon, you will have this. And so God has a way that he made clear to them the various land that they were going to get. Now, nobody knew what they were going to get. And I'm going to say to you tonight that at the start of it, you don't know what lot God is going to give you either. But what you can know is that it's going to come from God. And it's going to be specific. And it's not going to be accidental. And it's not going to be random. God has a specific lot for you in your life, and and that's what immediately became obvious here, okay, the first thing they're going to understand here is we don't choose our own lot, we we don't get to pick our own lot, we don't get to say I want this but I don't want this, Uh, we we, we don't get to choose it because we don't even understand it. And we don't even know what's out there. And we don't know what's on the other side of the mountain and on the other side of the valley. We don't even know. But, but God, who knows, will give us our lot. And he'll do it very specifically, as specifically as he was able to point out Achan, who transgressed against the Lord. And that was done by lots. And, and you say, how specific could, could God communicate Very specific. Uh, So out of all those millions of people, they would pass through. And finally, God said, it's this tribe. (coughs) And all the rest (coughs) could retreat back. It wasn't them. And then the, uh, (coughs) the whole tribe would pass by again. And God had the ability in a crowd way bigger than this one, As everybody went past, nobody knew anything. Everyone looked the same and and there was no obvious giveaway. And as they all went past, God was able to say, this family. And then God was able to communicate, this man. And that's how specific it was. So, so, so don't doubt, number one, that God is not clear in his own mind about what's required. And don't, don't, don't doubt that God doesn't fully understand what is required and is able to communicate that. So they're going to they're learn that. And they're, they're going to understand, okay, we, we don't get to choose our own place. Uh, our maps are all divided up, but it wasn't like that in the beginning. Everybody had to wait until God made it clear. But everybody had a place. Every every believer was given an allotment. And with that came a certain responsibility. And the expectation was this. Okay, I've given you this lot. Serve me here. In the place I told you. I chose you and I chose it and stay and work and serve and it's here and it's not somewhere else. But what about them? That's them. You're here. And it was very detailed. So, so the first thing I want to say to everybody here tonight and every young person is that God will determine your placements and your lot in life. And you should not doubt that God does not have a will in that matter. And if God is the one deciding your place, your lot in life, let me say that that's good. It's not just good, it's very good. Because he chooses for you better than you could choose for yourself. And happy is the man who discerns what God's lot in life is for him and does it because he'll be blessed. And you might think that your choice is better than God's and it never is. It never is. And you might say, well, my choice looks easier and his looks hard. Uh, Your vision is not clear. So God will determine that. And that's a good thing. And I'm glad for that. I'm glad he taught me that many years ago. Wayne, you don't decide what you do with your life. I decide. I remember as a teenager thinking, well, I'll go in the police force. And I I remember going into uh, Roma Street and going through the interview. I remember sitting in the little chair opposite a lot of high-ranking police and uh, and them uh, quizzing me and questioning me. And I remember going home, I was just an older teen going home, and finally a week or two later a letter came. And the letter was marked Queensland Police Service. And I opened the letter, came to my house at Brackenridge, and I opened the letter, and the letter said that you have been accepted as a candidate to go to the Oxley Police Academy starting on this date. And, uh, and, and I, I remember looking at the letter, and, and within just moments of looking of that letter, it was like God said to me, I don't want you to do that. That's not for you. Now, there might be some other people here tonight that did a career like that, but God made it clear to me that's not my choice for you, and you have to come to the place in your life where you truly say, God, you decide what I do. You decide where I live. You decide what I'm supposed to do. Okay, I I I don't want to. I don't want my way. I want your way. I want whatever it is you say. And whatever you give me, I'm going to be happy with that. Uh, and, and, and as a teen, I, I, I well, you say, what did you do? I never went in. I laid it aside. You say, you went into the ministry. I did, but it was a few years after that. But there was an interim period. And I, I wasn't exactly sure what was coming, but it was okay. Because he told me what I wasn't to do. And it was just wait. And waiting is okay when God tells you to wait. Waiting time is not wasted time if God tells you to wait. And he said, wait. And as I waited, uh, it began to become clear to me what he wanted me to do. And I was learning very early on, God decides where I go. God decides what I do. Okay, I want to be in the stream of blessing. I'm not going to be self-willed about this. Okay, I, I, I'm I not my own God. I don't think my life is mine. I, I don't believe I have a right to do what I want. I don't believe that. I believe I have a duty to do what He wants me to do. And, and the sooner you settle that and understand that He's God and you're not, And he's infinitely wise and you're certainly not. And let let him make those decisions for your life. You're on the way to aligning yourself with a stream of blessing. So I let him choose my life. And then I let him choose my wife. You mean that specific? I mean that specific. I let him pick her. I let him decide and just tell me who it was and you say did it work that way it absolutely did and not only did he tell me I didn't know but he told her and she happened to be godly enough that she was hearing what she was hearing and I was hearing what I was hearing and it was God All right, and I'm saying to you let God decide those things okay if you're single you don't just marry the prettiest bird in the room All right, that's that's not what you do. You you let God decide that. And you tell God, it's your decision. And I'll I'll marry whatever one you give me. Because whoever you give me is going to be the right one. You know, people make dumb decisions with marriages. And they have a fantastic honeymoon and a miserable next 40 years. And you're nuts. Let God decide that and, and give it to God and let God make the decision. You say, can you, can you love someone like that? Listen, you can love anybody. If you tell me that you only love people that you have feelings for, you're not a very good Christian, okay? Because, because in the Christian life, you're supposed to love a lot of people that you won't particularly have feelings for. Okay. Love is a choice. Get biblical. The Bible said that God set his love upon us. You know what that means? He looked at Israel and he just said, I'm going to love those folks. And he just did it. You can set your love on somebody. You can set your love on something. That's how you go to a different culture in a different country where they speak a different language and they don't look anything like you and they don't live a life like you live, and suddenly you love those people. And you love them the same way that God loved you. You, you set your love upon them. And so, so lesson number one they had to understand is you don't choose your lot in life. God chooses it. God chooses your placement. People used to understand you're placed in the local church. And now, now we think church is a smorgasbord. sport. You know, who, 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 where do you like to go? What kind, of, what kind of music do you like? What kind of, what kind of preaching do you like? What kind, of, what kind of seats do you like to sit in? And we, 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 we've carnalized it instead of understanding God has a place for you. And going to church is not just about you. It's about intersecting the will of God for you, but for other people that you're supposed to be a blessing to as well. God chooses that, let him choose, let him just tell you, it's here, alright, it's here. You, and, and if God says it's here, you don't have to say what, what's the, well, you know, how good's the foam in the seats and, and, you know, whatever, you don't have to do any of that, if God decides it's all good. So that was lesson number one, they assembled, they stood there. And God said, now I'm going to tell you something today and you're going to learn where's your place. And it must have been a special day and maybe a sobering day. And they went through the process of lots and the first thing they always did was identify the tribe. And the first one came out and I guess the leaders of the tribe were there looking at each other and. And they said, Judah. And everyone looked at Judah. <laughs> and Judah looked up. And, and it, was, it was godly. God, God was there. And no one thought it was people or it wasn't competitive. It wasn't, it wasn't self-selection. It was God. And then Judah came forward and Judah knew that they'd been called up but they didn't know where their boundaries were going to be. You understand that this whole land was filled with people of varying strengths. Hello? That meant some places were going to be harder than others. Hello? This is real. Because what you're now given is what you're going to have to do. And so so they understood. And in my life I found that if you want to be in the stream of God's blessing, you've got to let him decide those things. God told me to go to Nakhon Suwan. Out of all the cities and all the places in Thailand, it was clear as anything I was sharing with somebody this week, two times in my life, the, the, the voice of God has, I don't know if it was audible, I guess it wasn't, but it almost seemed audible and it was deeply specific. And the second occasion in my life was when God said, go to Nakhon Sawan. And that was his choice. And the moment that I discerned it was God who said, go to Nakhon Sawan, there could be no other place. I had a a friend call me, an American missionary call me. He's in the north of Thailand in a city of Chiang Mai. Chiang Mai is a beautiful city. The weather is nice up there because it's in the north. It's just, a, it's just a really nice place. And he called me and he said, Brother Wayne, uh, you know, come to Chiang Mai. We need you here. Come and start a church here. And I said, uh, I said Well, I said, I, yeah, it's, a, it's a great city. I know that. And he said, Well, just come. And I said, Well, I can't. And he said, Well, why can't you? And I said, Because, you know, I haven't been called there. He said, hang up the phone, I'll call you back, and I'll call you here. That's what he said. And I said, I can't do that. I can't do that. God had already said, Nakon Siwan. Now, I didn't know, is Nakon Siwan easy? Is it hard? Is it, is it hot? Is it what? I don't know. What are the people like? You say, well, they're ties. Listen, it varies. You know, they're all Canaanites, but it varies. Some places are strongholds, some places are harder than others. But he said, He said, go to Nakhon Suwan. It was that clear. Okay, God can affirm to you tonight where you're meant to be in church, what you're supposed to do with your life. And he can make it just very clear to you. And not only did God say, go to Nakhon to one uh, after a couple of years, God led us to the land that our church is now situated on. You say, well, you, how specific? Absolutely specific. Specific to specific. I mean, just, that's it. And, and that's it even when I'm going, that's it? That's it. And I won't go through how all that happened, but it was very clear. And, and guess what? What God led us to, God provisioned us to be able to get. Because it was God. And when you're in the stream of blessing, you get the blessing. And, and we got there. It didn't look like much. There wasn't much around. But I knew it was God. So now we're in the right town. Now we're in the right place. You say, what did you do? We Just set about doing what? God wanted us to do to try to win people to Christ, and I'll tell you what happened. A few years after being there, I mean, I'm not talking just a little. You, you, if, if you tried to find it on Google Maps, you'll be, you'll have a hard time locating that. I could probably find it, but you'll have to help. just a, just. But it was that specific. After being there a few years, I was away. Uh, Joe said to me, called me. He said a man has called me. He said he's a foreigner. Uh, and I said, Oh, what did he want? He said, Well, uh, he said he said he saw our sign out on the road. And he asked, could he come and see us? And I said, Who 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 was he, Joe? He said, I don't know. He I, I think maybe he was crying, I don't know. And I said, mm. I said, was he American? Was he Aussie? Was he you know a Brit? Who was he? And he said, I, I'm not sure. He said but I think old man and I said well meet with him, you know I'm sure he's not going to do anything bad, just go ahead and meet with him, see what he wants, that's fine. A couple of days later they met and the story turned out that that man who was in his 70s and lives in the outskirts of Sydney tonight uh, had worked as a missionary, he's an Australian And he'd worked as a missionary in Thailand for decades. And and for the last decade or decade and a half, God had led him to a little place in Nakhon Sawan where he had laboured. And he had laboured there and he had preached the gospel and he'd given out tracts and he'd prayed for God to do something And he never saw anything much happen there. He talked about one convert that he had who died. And when that man came back, he'd he'd been back in Australia for years, he just was back on a holiday, I guess a nostalgia trip. And he made his way back to the place where he had given his life serving God. And he thought about his hardship there and he thought about the burden he had for the people that he never saw realised and reached and he went back to the place and, and I've got to tell you, it's in, you've got to know back roads and, and he got right back there and when he got back to the place that he had left from, where he was certain God had told him to go, he saw there was a sign up that said, Nakhon Sawan Baptist Church. And he just began to cry. And he, and he cried to God. And he realised And he came and met with us and he told us the story. He said, I I served here for years, years. He said, "I, I, I wondered sometimes if God had forgot me. And he just poured his heart out. And you know what? God, God in his way of being God, had seen the labours of that man who was an Aussie. And there are not many Aussie missionaries anywhere. And then God had moved in our heart and I had no idea. I didn't know who he was. I didn't, I didn't think anyone had been to where we were. And I walked in on a field that another man had been ploughing up for years. And as I walked in on that, I entered a stream of blessing. And God just began to bless and work. And I'm saying that's specific. That's specific. specific. I've given him my life to decide all those things. Where I go, where I stay, when I go, where I'll live. All right, so, so let God decide those things for you. Okay, if, if, you, if you're single, die to your selection and begin seeking God's. And forget it. Forget who's the most handsome. Forget who's the most pretty forget all of that and say, God, show me the one and he can pick the one for you. And he'll pick better than you'll pick. And if you're trying to find the will of God and where to serve and what to do, ask God, God, show me. But don't ask him if you won't do it when he tells you. Don't don't ask him that when he tells you, you you balk at it or you say you can't or you don't want to do it. God Can make clear those things. Number two, when they were allocated their various places here, number two principle in life is this hardship doesn't decide anything. There wasn't one single allotment there that was going to be struggle free. There wasn't one single allotment there that had nobody there already. you understand? Some it was harder for various reasons, but there wasn't one vacant lot there. Every place that God told these people to go to was going to involve struggle. So, so don't be deluded that when God makes clear to you where he wants you to be and what he wants you to do, that you'll still meet struggle. Okay, that, that doesn't mean you heard wrong. That, that doesn't mean you're not meant to be there. Okay, that's expected. That was, God knew that before he put you there. God was fully aware of that. Every tribe here was going to face different factors. And, and at this point, everybody breaks up to give themselves to their own area. All right, now there were, there, were, there were two particularly difficult areas here. I don't have a pointer, so I'll use my finger. This area here was difficult, right up to that area there. Okay, And it was difficult because the people who lived there had iron chariots. So, so, so if you look at that map, it meant this. It meant that Judah Was getting a a, a portion of land, but there was a part of it that was going to be particularly hard. Again, no mistake of God. All right, I'll give you a verse Judges 1 19. And the Lord was with Judah, and he drove out the inhabitants of the mountain, but could not drive out the inhabitants of the valley because they had chariots of iron. All right, that's Judges 1 19. So what did Judah do? What, what do you do when you, when you get somewhere and suddenly it's a whole lot harder or you had no idea what was coming and, and you, you, weren't, you, didn't, you weren't aware of the difficulty, the nature of it, but you're there now. What do you do? Well, Judah did what they could do. And, and I've got to tell you, it was a protracted battle, frankly, over some generations, before Judah wholly possessed all that land. They got there in the end under David, uh, but it was was protracted. But i tell you what Judah did not do. Judah did not leave because it was hard. And God knew when he gave them that, what they were going to be dealing with. Uh, Just like your place just like where you are. Uh, Because some people naively think, well, I'm in the will of God. Why isn't this easy? God never promised it was going to be easy. He promised you'll be blessed. And He promised He's with you. And you will win. But there's going to be struggle. There's going to be fight. It's not a free ride. You're going to have to work. And hardship doesn't decide anything. Never, ever, ever, ever leave anything because of hardship. Hardship is never a reason to leave. And Judah stayed. But you see the other little patch of land above Judah? That's Dan. And Dan didn't stay. And if you look at the Bible and you understand a little bit about the tribe of Dan, Dan encountered the same issues that Judah was encountering here and they were having just an awful time dealing with people who had iron chariots who seemed to be very strong. And you had Judah who stayed and stayed blessed. And listen to me, because this is sobering. Dan did not stay. In fact, fact, the history is this. Remember I told you that all these lands were allotted by God? They all were. There was no doubt and no mistake when Dan was given their allotment that they had the right place. It wasn't a question of anybody got anything wrong. They were where they were meant to be. But because they faced difficulty... they moved, they moved, and where they moved, they moved to the north, and you can read about that in the book of Judges as well, and they went up to the north, way up the top there, and they scouted out some area that wasn't theirs, and God hadn't given it to them, and they went up there, and you know what they found? They found a peaceful group of people who did not have any military alignment, and they said, we can do these over, And they did. They did. And they left the place that God had for them because it was a hard place. And they went to another place that they thought would be easier. And they left where God had told them. The end result of that was not good. Because the moment you say to God, I will not stay in the place that you put me, you make another God. And Dan had other gods. And Dan rejected the God who gave them the place that was defined for them. And they went to another place. And all they did, they just made gods in their own image. Are you listening? Because there's nothing new here tonight. This is about people who leave their place because of some hard thing and then go to an easier place, but then try to put God's name on it. And you know what happens? God takes great offense at that. Because when you do that, you know you're you're saying, uh, "I'm going to be God. I'm going to decide. And 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 you know I'm not a heathen. I'll make it spiritual, but I'll just put another God on that. And that's what they did. Here's something very tragic. When you look in Revelation chapter number seven, from about verses four for the next four or five verses, there's a list there of the twelve thousand from each tribe in the tribulation years and all, all the 12 tribes are listed because God at that point is working back with Israel but if you go through that list there's one tribe is not there you won't find them they're gone Dan is removed they're removed from that list and you can check it out and they're replaced by another by someone else see see when you when you do that and you leave when you leave when you leave God's place God takes offense at that okay God 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 warned God warned the Hebrews about that In Hebrews 10, in verse 38, it says, uh, Now the just shall live by faith. Yeah, but I have iron chariots. The just shall live by faith. Yeah, but, but this has been incredibly hard. Live by faith. Yeah, but I, I don't know I can do this. Live, the just shall live by by faith and then he goes on to say but if any man draw back God my soul shall have no pleasure in him and what God is saying is this uh, when, you, when you do that I, I don't like that I, I don't like it when you, when, you, when you leave your place because it was hard. And I don't like it when you start to say something is the will of God and that was not the will of God. And that's not God and I'm God and I never told you to do that. And if you want to do that, you'll do it, but you'll not have my pleasure. And you can live your whole life in an alternative place to the one that God was trying to put you and you can frame it and shape it any way you want. And all you're doing is crafting your own God and your own story. And God said, you've just, you've just drawn back from where I put you. So hardship has nothing to do with it. Is Nakhon so hard? It's very hard. It's more hard than you could understand. It'd be hard for me to explain to you how hard it is. Because it's a different kind of hard to anything you've experienced here. Is your place hard? If you tell me yes, I believe you. Is it hard doing what you do with the infirmities that you have? I believe it probably is. But hardship has nothing to do with it. You don't decide anything on hardship. And the flip side of that, you don't decide anything because it's easy. You're making a terrible mistake. You'll, you'll, you'll propel yourself right out of the will of God and right out of the future of God. Number three, and it kind of touches on what I just said. Here's an important principle. I have four and I'm done. Number three is this listen carefully. If you leave, you lose. That's it. If you leave, you lose. You have to stay, you have to keep going there are some things in life that will come to you if you'll just put in the time. There are some things time will give to you that you'll get just for staying. Listen carefully. is that a by the way? That's a great truth. There are some things time alone will give you, which means if you don't put in the time, you don't get it. If you won't stay, you can't have it. But if you'll just endure, there's some blessing in just doing that. Uh, I, uh, again, a couple of years ago, i shared this, I think, here at Good Shepherd. A couple of years ago, I was in my office at the church in Nakhon Sawan. And, uh, you know, thank God, by the grace of God, we have some people and some buildings and some place. And God has blessed us. And a preacher sat in my office and uh, he was a missionary in Thailand also, and he's a good man. And he was there because I had him in to preach. And I'll have him in again. And he sat in my office, and I had no idea what he was about to say. He looked down at the floor, and uh, he was staring at the tiles on the floor, hanging his head, and I, just him and I was sitting, looking, and he looked up, and he said, uh, Pastor, God has really, has really blessed you here. And I said, um, "Mm. Well, thank you, Pastor. He has much more than we deserve, that's for sure. I I thought he was just being complimentary. And then he went quiet. And then he said, You know, before you came here, I came to knock on someone. And you could have dropped me. I said, you were here and he went he said, he said in fact he said you know the first building you were in I said yeah he said same street just a couple of doors up from where you were I said that's incredible he said yeah he said pastor I stayed for a year but it was so hard he said it was so difficult he said we tried and he said I, I, couldn't, I couldn't carry it anymore I couldn't carry the weight of it anymore and he said we left and we went back to Bangkok I said oh pastor I had no idea now, you know what he was thinking as he'd walked around the property and he'd looked at the people that had been won to Christ and you know what he was thinking he was thinking, maybe God had intended this for me. And I left. I left. You know, if you, if you walk away, you lose. You'll, you'll lose your blessing. And, and don't doubt God's ability to give that to someone else. And that will be the most painful part, will be to watch somebody else being blessed doing the thing that God intended you to do and watching that play out and knowing that was yours, that allotment was yours, but you left. If you leave, you lose. Time will give you wisdom. Time will give you endurance. Time and ministry experience will help you because stuff will happen and because you've put in time before and you've gone down this, you'll say, it's okay, I've seen this before. That's why they put an old sergeant with new recruits when they send him out to battle. Because that old sergeant's been through that a few times before. And, and he knows and, and the others will look to him as a calming influence because he knows. But you only get that with time. You, you, if, you loo- if you leave, you leave You lose. So, so build in the place wherever God has you, and plan. I'm here. I have God's presence, and they did. I have God's presence, and I'm gonna I'm gonna work this place, and stay, and do it, and and don't leave, and plan even a generational strategy. I have a generational strategy for knock on to one. I know who comes after me. I already know who that is. And by the way, I know who comes after him. That's three. Okay. You say, you you, you planning that far? Absolutely. You say, well, what if Jesus comes back next year? That'll be okay. <laughs> well, well, it's Okay. That will be no interruption, I can assure you. I'm still supposed to plan. I'm still supposed to occupy. I'm still supposed to have a vision. Plan a a strategy and see it through. And then lastly, let me finish with this, understand the concept of what I'm going to call a shared inheritance. And I don't have my pointer, but if you go over to the map here, The first cab off the rank in terms of getting their boundaries was Judah and they got that about that area there that you can see. The second tribe that was called Ford is in Joshua 19 and that is Simeon. And the the amazing thing with this, something happened with Judah and Simeon that didn't happen with any of the others. And the Bible says, if you're in Joshua chapter 19 and you look in the end of verse number 1, it says, uh, the inheritance, Simeon's inheritance was within the inheritance of the children of Judah. Oh, hang, hang, hang on, hang on, hang on, give, hang on, give us those boundaries again, can someone sketch this out? Yep, yep, and where over here? Yep, and how far that way? Yep, yep, and that way? Yep, and... Yep, that's it. We're right in the middle of you guys. <laughs> Did we get that right? We've done it three times. <laughs> now, now, there was a reason for that, and the Bible talks about that. But God said that, that Judah was given more than they needed. And what God was doing, God was placing two groups together for something that I'll call a shared inheritance. It meant this, we have to help each other so that we both win. Okay, final point, in ministry and in life, many things are a shared inheritance. Marriage is a shared inheritance. It's two people coming together who have a vested interest in an outcome. And you have to work together. Okay, in ministry, that's going to happen many times. A okay, local church is a shared inheritance. So sometimes God will put you together with another. And the idea is that you are to serve together and it is the will of God. And you have been placed with that person or with that church or whatever the project is. And God did it and, he, and it, was, it was his careful choice to put you together. all right. And, and you, when you understand that, you, you, you do what they did. And, and there was no resentment, by the way. Judah didn't feel any sense that they lost anything. In fact, if you, if you read in Judges, there's some terminology there that if you read it, you will just read over it. Uh, but, but when you read it, understanding the culture, there's some, there's some closeness in the choice of language. And the Bible says there that, that Judah uh, turned and said, uh, Simeon, my brother. So when a Thai wants to address another Thai in an affectionate term, they'll say, P. And P is brother. Brother brother whether you're a brother or not p that's brother and judah said simeon my brother we will go up together and they did they did they they worked together there's going to be some things in your life and in your ministry that are a shared inheritance it's not all you And if you're going to be spiritual and you're going to understand, if you're going to have a path to victory, you're going to have to understand that. Because because if you're possessive over your little part and if you don't want to share or if you feel that somehow someone else is uh, getting something that belonged to you, you're going to miss a lot of things in life. And you'll miss a lot of Blessings. So, so, so Joe would be my Simeon in this. And, and when you have a shared inheritance, there isn't a superior party and a lesser party. Hello? You're, you're not more important because you're bigger. And part of understanding that stream of blessing is being able to get in with others and join in with something that's a shared inheritance. There are people in this church and other places that have partnered with me in Thailand. We have a shared inheritance. I've put in and they've put in. And we did it for God. And I've just laid out some principles here for you tonight. I've just, I've just showed you his way. I've just, I've just laid out how he works. Okay, Because the key to all of this is for you to get into alignment with how God works so you can be a recipient of the blessings. Okay, we're going to finish. Uh, I'm about to walk away and close your Bible. I want to say something to you as I leave. Pastor Skelly is going to be coming up here in a moment and uh, he's going to give us what God has given him. He should be under no pressure for time. Okay, you've already come here. You've sacrificed to be here. Uh, You've you've come seeking God. I've done my part. I'm stepping down. But the night is not over. For there is another who God has spoken to today and God has given him something that he wants to be given to us. And so when Pastor Skelly comes, uh, please do not mentally put him under any time pressure. In, in fact, encourage him to give what God has given him. Okay, but let's let's not let's not get sort of half of what God intended for us when God has prepared a vessel with something more. Okay, I'm going to pray and then I'm going to step aside. Father, thank you for your word. Uh, Lord, I I pray tonight that uh, truly you would be moving amongst the pews. You'd be touching hearts. I pray you'd be giving understanding and wisdom. And I ask, Lord, that you would help people to uh, be bold in belief. Uh, I pray, Lord, that you'd help them to to have faith uh, and trust in you, that what you decide is the best thing. I pray for endurance. Uh, There are some here tonight who have to become stronger. Uh, I pray, Lord, that there, that, that there would be an increase of faith and an increase of resilience uh, in their heart. I ask, Lord, that those of us who've been honoured to be partakers in a shared inheritance uh, would value the gift you've given to us in another or partners in the ministry of fellow labourers. And I pray you'd please bless this. Lord, if there be things that were said of me that were not of you, then I pray they'd be forgotten and fall to the ground. (coughs) But Lord, if it was of you, I pray we'd retain it in our heart. And I ask in Jesus' name, amen.